Hello, 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 beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of This Is Ours podcast. I'm your host, Amina, and this is my podcast where our motto is to be unapologetically intentional. How is everyone doing? Hope everyone has had a magnificent two weeks. Um, my past two weeks have been okay. I've been really busy with school and with work, so like finding downtime has been very, very important. But you know, we thank God. I'm trying something new this week. Um, I'm actually recording in my room um, on this app called Anchor. So we shall see how it goes. Hopefully it goes well because if it goes well, this means I don't have to go all the way to school to record, which would be A1. Um, But yeah, that's how my two weeks have been. Um, Hope everyone is having an amazing weekend. Uh, Let's get right into it. So the first segment we have is gratitude corner and for those new to this space um my hope this year is to remain in my gratitude regardless of the situation i might be in so that's why i added this piece onto the podcast so before the beginning of any episode i share a few things i'm grateful for so the first thing i'm grateful for this week is a place for a place to live so i work as a support worker in a recovery home for women in addiction and day in and day out i hear stories and experiences um with these women the trauma that they've experienced in their life but also the trauma that they've experienced with being homeless or at risk for homelessness and i think this is one thing that we can easily take for granted you go about your day with the knowledge that you have somewhere to go at the end and not to say that the housing doesn't come with its own concerns with like how expensive rent is and utilities and all those things but just having a safe place to go that is warm is something i never want to take for granted but i think it's so easy to take for granted um i remember when i used to, i used to live in maryland and i was driving through inner city baltimore um one night at like 8 30 p.m and it was so cold outside and i remember thinking this to myself like as I I was like cranking up the heat and I looked out my window and there were individuals sleeping on the grates outside wrapped in blankets trying to I guess catch the heat that was coming up from the grates and I can't even explain to be fair how I felt seeing that um but I think it was just one of those things where I saw it and I I I almost like just pushed it to the back of my mind, but now I've moved to Kelowna and I live um, downtown um, and, you know, I walk to work or I'm walking just by the beach or whatever. And I, I'm constantly just passing people by in the dead of winter who have nowhere to go. So today and also, you know, forever, I'm just really grateful for having a safe place to call home. The second thing I'm grateful for, which I think is another thing I take for granted, is twofold. And the first fold of the twofold is I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to complete my second degree with no debts. And the reason this is twofold is because the reason I'm able to do this is because of God and my mom. She has sacrificed everything to make sure that my brother and I can graduate without crippling debt. And I think this is, and this is something I like. I never want to take for granted and i will probably never be able to pay her back for i get to complete my program and start working for money with no weight on my shoulder to sally may or the government or anybody so i'm so grateful to god and to my mom and you know just all the people who have supported me through this 
these processes, these degrees. Um, so yeah, those are just the two things I'm grateful for today or the two spotlight things I'm grateful for today. What are some things that you are grateful for? Um, slide me a DM, let me know. So the next segment, um, so I was gratitude corner. The next segment, honestly, at this point, I'm calling triggered. And since I haven't yet to get any suggestions, yes, I'm throwing shade from anyone. Um, this is kind of what I'm calling it. And basically, it's me sharing whatever I saw on social media this week um, or any kind of other media outlet that got me thinking. Um, so this past week, um, Caroline Flack, who was the former host of Love Island, um, completed suicide. And I say completed in an intentional aversion from the language of committing suicide, which evokes a sense of blame and criminalizes the act. And unfortunately, Caroline is not the first individual associated with Love Island who we have lost in this way. Sophia Graydon and Mike Thalassitis, I hope I pronounced that correctly, um, uh, two individuals we also lost in a similar way. And there's been some uproar, like it's since Caroline's um, death, that Love Island should be cancelled due to the culture that it creates and the lack of aftercare for the contestants. And one of the past contestants, Olivia Atwood, was quoted as saying that shows the shows offer you support, quote-unquote, but realistically, it's only while you're in their care. And I completely agree that there needs to be a discussion about the culture that exists surrounding reality shows of this nature and how they treat their contestants, both during and for, following the completions of the seasons. I believe that, but, and yes, I agree that this is a conversation that needs to be had, but I also think that this might be another case where maybe there's a point that we're missing. And I say this because I believe for some reason as a society, we are only able to keep one thought. There is this aversion, or maybe I'm only, the, or maybe I'm only the one that sees it from being able to hold two different thoughts in our minds. I believe that we can discuss the shortcomings of these shows while also holding space for discussions surrounding accountability for social media platforms, tabloids, trolling, and other forms of bullying. I saw a tweet by at Monroe Ebergdorf. <laughs> I don't know if I pronounced that right. Um, that I really agreed with. And it said, quote, calling to end Love Island won't help anyone. The issues, the issue is online abuse of public figures. The format of the show itself is not the issue. We need to hold social media platforms, the British tabloid press and ourselves to account. Be kind online. It's really that simple. Because, and I was talking to my roommates about this the other day, by focusing solely on one thing, we perpetuate a dangerous culture. Again, I believe there needs to be space for a discussion on the culture that a show like Love Island may perpetuate in people. However, I believe we need to zoom out a bit into the culture itself that allows the desecration of these individuals' beings. Because to be honest, if you remove Love Island, another show would replace it because the demand is there. It's a vicious cycle. Love Island powers a certain culture, which fuels tabloids and media outlets, which then feed a certain culture of people who believe they have the right to say and behave certain ways. And the cycle just continues and continues and continues. And I think this is why I'm very iffy about cancel culture. 
cancel culture in some cases is lazy because you cancel the person or the show or the thing, the company, the organization, whatever it is, but there's never space held to critically analyze the systems and the structures that allowed these things to be in the first place. So canceling really solves nothing because as long as the system persists, there will always be something to fill the void. So if you take Love Island away, there's some, and you never actually critically analyze the systems that allow these kinds of horrific things to happen, then another show will just replace it. Honestly, I could go on and on about this, and but this is not what this episode is about. So if you want to talk to me about this, send me a DM and we shall converse. So the so that was the first thing on this episode segment of Triggered. Um, The second thing is, I don't know if people are familiar with TikTok. Most people are. Um, It's been all over my social media recently. And for those who are not familiar, it's a video sharing app. And to be fair, lots of the videos I've seen are very entertaining. Um, I've never actually been on the app. I just see it pop up on my Twitter and my Instagram. Um, But anyways, in December last year, a dance called Renegade went viral. TikTok dancer Charlie... Charlie D'Amelio was credited with the creation of the dance and she went on to gain a lot of accolades for it with the dance being performed by multiple celebrities like Kim Kardashian and Lizzo etc and so that was in September of last year so now four months later I imagine our surprise when we found out that the dance was actually created by 14 year old Atlanta teen Jalei Harmon I don't know if I pronounced her name right oh gosh well, now July Jalei is quoted as saying she was upset when she started to see mainstream influencers co-opting her dance without giving her credit. During last week's, or I guess, yeah, last week's, during last week's Saturday's All-Star Dunk Contest, a few TikTok, TikTok stars were brought out to perform the dance. And we thank God for Black Twitter because they really came out. Long story short, I guess the next day, the NBA brought out July to perform her dance. Now, a very key element to this story is that the original creator of this dance, Shelley, is black and the influencers, including Charlie, are white. I think this speaks directly to my last episode on Friends versus Living Single and the appropriation and co-opting of black artistry. These white TikTok dancers have gained recognition and accolades over almost five months by promoting artistry that was not theirs and not giving credit where it was due. I saw a tweet the other day by an as Hannah Drake 628, quote, white people will steal from you, profit from you, then invite you to partake in what they stole from you like they are doing you a favor. And I completely agree. This is literally what we see daily with the promotion of whiteness and colonial practices. Now, a lot of people are saying that we should let 15-year-olds be kids, be kids, etc., etc., and that, quote, children should not be a vehicle for this argument. But I think, again, this speaks to what I have pre- previously said, because when these kinds of appropriations go unnamed, whether it's a TikTok, uh, whether it's a TikTok dance, or it's a whole show like Living Single, whiteness perpetuates the erasure of black bodies. I mean, the fact that Jalei, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't, please correct me because I'm pretty sure I'm saying this poor girl's name wrong, um, did not even post this video on TikTok to begin with speaks to this because then, so you've stolen her dance and promoted it on a platform that she did not use and then gotten all the accolades and then never actually given her credit for it. But we thank God for Black Twitter because Black Twitter really came out. 
Um, so there you go, the segment I am calling Triggered. Will the name stick? Maybe, maybe not. Who really knows? Um, let me know if you have any thoughts about these things that have triggered me this week. So the last segment I added before the main, the main of the episode, also yet to be named, um, I'm calling it TV Thoughts for now. And this is basically a segment where I discuss some quotes from the show I'm currently watching. Um, for those new to this space, I'm always, always watching TV, always watching something. Um, I'm not currently necessarily binging anything because I've just been so busy. So this week's thoughts come from a few different shows. So here are some thoughts. The first one is brought to you by Hawaii Five-O. And it goes, sometimes between the panic and the fear, you just don't know where to turn. I definitely can relate to this one because I think when it seems like everything is coming at you at the same time, it is literally impossible to see even the next step in front of you. And I think for me, I'm tackling this by grounding. And for me, my grounding comes from my faith and from the evidence of God in my life, which is my friends and my family. Because I think everybody, every individual has that thing that grounds them. And I think the challenge is finding what that is. So I challenge you today to do some, or whenever it is you are listening to this, to do some reflecting on what that grounding looks like for you. Because I think the grounding is so important because it allows you to see in front of you when your today is filled with panic and with fear. So the next thought is brought to you by New Amsterdam. Um, and it goes, black women and church, they are everywhere but the pulpit. And I remember when the character said this, I wasn't really paying much attention, but I I think I remember rewinding and then writing it down. And I didn't think any of it until today. I saw a tweet by Jules. She's one half of one of my favorite podcasts. Um, I said what I said. And she asked on Twitter, um, quote, are there any female pastors in Lagos? And no, not co-pastor with a daddy in the Lord. Um, the woman founded slash runs the church. The church. She's the chief madam in charge. And I went through the comments and some people gave some ideas, but it got me thinking about this line from New Amsterdam. Because I don't think I've ever thought about it this way. It was definitely an interesting thought that I'm still kind of reflecting on, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, it. I think I'm going to come back to this thought on the next episode and see where I'm feeling. Um, but, yeah, I think as you're listening to this thing to yourself like are there any churches you know where it was founded and is still being run by a woman not that like it was founded by her husband and her husband died and now she's taking over it which and the thing is there's nothing wrong with those churches but i think it's just an important thing to highlight um if we actually have any women in the lord quote unquote that are running their own churches um so those are my two thoughts from tv this week um help me name this segment i don't know how i feel about naming it just um tv thoughts so let me know if you have a thought um on what i could name it okay now on to the main segment of this week's episode so what has just happened is that i have tried to be fancy and believe i am technologically sound but apparently i'm not and the app that i was using has decided to put me to shame but the devil is a liar and what we have a guest today which i'm very excited about and that's why i decided to use the app because my guest does not live anywhere near me but the 
the app has decided to put me stream. Anyways, so we're gonna do this the old-fashioned way, and we are going to call my guest, and you know, hopefully, you know, the sound makes sense, and you all are able to hear what she has to say. So I'm gonna call now, and let's see what happens. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Lara. Hi, is it working now? Yeah, say hi to the people because you are, it's recording. Oh, hi people. <laughs> so, um, today we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence at Lara's request. Um, and as I said, the app decided to put me to shame, but the devil is a liar. So I'm going to let Lara introduce herself. So Lara, do you want to introduce yourself to the people? Um, I hope you guys can hear me properly. Um, my name is Lara. Um, that's it. <laughs> what do you mean, that's it? Like, you have to tell them, you know, like, you have to tell that's them more. Okay. Alright, my name is Lara. I am 25 years old. I am a passionate African young lady uh, who's passionate about emotional intelligence. Not just emotional intelligence, but emotional intelligence and Christianity um, and yeah I am very much passionate about um, Nigerians <laughs> and the mindset of Nigerians and growing the mindset of Nigerians um, not just in Nigeria but also outside Nigeria um, because the influence is heavy um, the influence of Nigerians outside Nigeria to Nigerians in Nigeria. So um, I'm passionate about things like that. Um, is there anything else I need to say? No, um, no, that's cool. <laughs> I just need them to know where you're coming from, right? Oh, so um, where I'm from, so, yeah, that's, that's it. And, um, yeah, and it's just the, the exposure that I've gotten over the years has helped me filter through my knowledge wow. of what I'm going to talk about. Amazing. So, so as I talk about it, I will tell you more about myself okay. than, than you just giving a one-minute elevator talk about me, if that makes sense. Yes, that does make sense. Well, thank you for the <laughs> tiny one-minute elevator talk. So, due to my increased excitement at having a guest this week, because I mean, it's the first guest of 2020, we have a, a bonus-triggered episode or segment um, so there's two things that we're gonna talk about before we get into like the meat of this of the episode and the two things are similar because they speak to how women are viewed in the Nigerian context and how Nigeria for some very insane reason um, has this idea that everything that comes out of the mouth of an elder quote-unquote is taken as truth as truth without any critical analysis of any kind um, so the first one is a video um, that was all over my timeline over the past few days and I'm sure Lara was all over yours as well and is of Pete Edoche who is a veteran Nollywood actor and basically I'm just going to give you guys a premise of the video and then I'm going to let Lara tell us what she thinks um, but in the video he emphasizes that quote any young man who gets down on his knees to propose to a girl is a fool his reason you might ask because we try to copy white people. He believes in the essence and core of our culture and the white man kneels down to propose to a girl, which for him means she takes over the family, which is why when you disagree with your wife overseas, you are kicked out and she stays in the house. So 
He believes the young men are fools because instead of staying in charge of their des destinies, they have handed it over to the girls. Um, and he goes on to say, and I quote, I have lived with my wife for 51 years. Nobody has come to say, stop beating this woman. Is it hatred that's united us? He then goes on to say, kneel down before your wife. I will sympathize with you when she takes over the home, which leads for some reason to an uproar of laughter by the individuals around him. And then they go on to praise him. So this is disgusting for multiple reasons. And Lara, since you are the guest today, I'm going to allow you go first to tell us your thoughts. On that issue specifically, yes, yes on this um, video. Okay, um, first things first is in emotional intelligence. It is said that you have to be able to discern between your emotions and another person's emotion, which means when you know when someone is saying bullshit stuff, <laughs> you, you can recognize that. That's plain and simple. Now, from what he said, you can already denote his mindset, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You can already um, understand where he's coming from, mm -hmm. where he grew up, the year in which he was born. He's been married for 51 years. 51 minus 2020. 20. You can already tell when he got married, mm -hmm. which means that, in my opinion, there shouldn't be an outpour of anger. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It should be more of an outpour of understanding. And that's where I, like, that. that's when, like, when I respond to things like that, um, I don't go with the whole Twitter finger and stuff mm -hmm. because I'm coming from a place of understanding rather than a place of anger mm. or a place of misunderstanding or do you get what I mean? Yeah. So if, if I was going to speak on that, it would be from a place of understanding. So with that being said, I would say to each is own, which means you're in 2020, whatever age you are, whatever circumstance in which you were brought up, whatever exposure you've been given, whatever mindset you are, whatever religion you practice, you have to make a decision based on that. So with that said, if you're a Christian, if kneeling down before your wife seems to be right to you, then go ahead and do that. If you're a human being, which probably don't practice any Christianity, or, or any religion in that matter, which we're not shaming or judging anyone, but if you don't have any religion that you practice, and kneeling down before your wife or your significant other seems to be not good for you. You don't feel it. You, your, your, your emotions don't... It doesn't sit right with your mm -hmm. emotions. Then go ahead and not do that. Mm -hmm. Don't let somebody else's understanding of an action... Or somebody else's understanding of a situation mm -hmm. determine how you act. Because being emotionally, emotionally intelligent mm -hmm. means that you're totally aware of who you are. So, somebody else's reaction or judgment or interpretation of this particular situation should not affect how you see things. Mm -hmm. And, so, and, yeah, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you in the sense that, you know, I think his positionality is completely different. But I think, for me, where... 
you know it gets a bit funky is that he's this you know veteran Nollywood actor he's an like but he's that's someone that's a, but, but that's another thing though that boils down to how you view people because it's the same thing if Beyonce said something yeah. everyone's going to be like that is facts you know Beyonce's words is Bible, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But that's that's the same thing. He's a veteran actor, so therefore everything that should come out of his mouth should be wisdom. Really? Not no, really. but that's the thing. Not not that everything that comes out of his mouth should be wisdom. But I think there's a certain level of I don't know if responsibility is the word that he yeah, he was, he's he held was born to a in different 19, in nineteen whatever day. You you can't expect anything. That more than that to come out from his mouth. Fair enough. That's my. That's how I see that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you can't. You can't. It's, it's, it's like if if I hear you say that, then I'm worried. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If I hear a 20 year old person, a 30 year old person, um, say that, even a 40 year old person, yeah, worry me a little bit. But that yeah. man is almost like 80. Like he could say. He, if possible, he would say, you, you better not have a job as a woman. Like, just take care of the kids. But what and do you say? I would say? not be amazed. I would be like, mm, you go ahead and tell you the kids that. Yeah. Because that's his, that's his age and his era. And, and because of how old he is, it is very hard to unlearn things. Yes. So for him to say, that's why I said, you have to be able to discern. The Bible says that in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. He didn't say in the multitude of one counsel, mm. multitude of counsels, which means you cannot take advice from one person. You have to take advice from different people, mm-hmm. see through that advice, mm-hmm. pick what you want. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so and that's, I guess... That's how I say it. Yeah, no, I, I, I do get where you're coming from, and I guess that's where, you know, as you were saying, it flips to this idea of... It, it, it starts a conversation of how do we view people, because... For me, what I was saying under the comments of the video, I think that's what really got me the most. Because again, I don't expect much from an 80-year-old man in terms of, you know, gender equality and feminism as such. But I think it was the comments that really threw me because you had, again, 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old men who were completely agreeing with this man who's telling us that girls, quote-unquote, because the thing is, even just the use of his language, because he's referring to the men as young men, but referring to the girls as girls. And I think because I've, I've already seen, again, on my Twitter, just how how these kinds of rhetorics are perpetuated in the Nigerian context. I think that's what really threw me, because, again, this just feeds into the rhetoric that we're already seeing, and I think that's what really scares me. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and, and now, to be realistic... Because everything is fine on paper. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But in real life, practically, what he said was wrong. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and I don't want that to... I don't want to sound like I am agreeing with what he said. Mm-hmm. No. I totally disagree with his point of view. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And the fact that Nigerians... Some Nigerians would agree with that. Right, mm-hmm. but the point is for you to be able to understand something, you have to understand the definition of it. Mm-hmm. So, if somebody tell if he, for him, for me, he was saying things from his understanding, mm-hmm. and that's wrong because you don't even know why that is being done. Mm-hmm. The reason why people kneel down to 
propose to their significant other is because of permission. Mm. So I'm asking for that person's hand in mind. Mm-hmm. How else do you plead with somebody? Yeah. The, the, the highest form of pleading with somebody is to kneel before them. Mm-hmm. That's why you kneel before a queen. Mm-hmm. That's why you kiss the hand of a queen. Mm-hmm. It's because the highest form to plead with somebody, the highest form to respect the person yeah. is to kneel before them. Yeah. And that's why you kneel. Yeah. Now, not everyone would kneel down. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that like you have to understand where the concept comes from before you can denounce or then say that that should not be done. Yeah. Because in your point of view, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why we kneel is to ask for somebody. So are you telling me that um, I should lie down to ask for my wife's hand in marriage? Like honest, like honestly, I. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's why you can't really get. That's why I said for me it doesn't really bother me because, because understanding yeah. that he's old mm-hmm. makes it less less it makes it less sad. But then how do you deal but the the additional sadness comes with the fact that there are people who actually like masses of people who so that's, actually that's where, genuinely that's where, that's where um enlightenment comes in. Okay. Right? So the the thing is that's why I say I don't respond from a place of anger, I respond from, from a place, place of, of understanding. Okay. And when you respond from a place of understanding, you give enlightenment. When you when you respond from a place of anger, you get an argument. Mm, okay. Do you understand? Yeah. So like when I said, like I, I when I respond from a place of understanding, you give so you tell them in my if, if I I saw the, the, the video on Twitter, but I didn't respond because maybe that day I was just not in the mood to type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I, if I was to respond, I would say that you only you only know things by definition. Mm-hmm. If you want to understand why people kneel down. Go and look for the definition. Go and look for the definition. The same way we use words. We say, you know, like I said, enlightenment. What's the meaning of enlightenment? Is to what? Give knowledge to something. Shed light on something. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to speak of enlightenment, it means that you're educating somebody. So if you want to speak about kneeling down to propose to a woman, you have to understand the definition of that first. And that clearly shows in that video with what that man said that he doesn't know the meaning of kneeling down to propose to somebody. Mm -hmm. It's plain, clear, and simple. Yeah. He didn't know the meaning. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not leaning out to greet your parents. That's not what it is. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what it is. Kneeling down to propose to somebody is a different kind of, of thing. It's mm-hmm. a different kind of, of, of definition. So mm-hmm. because of that video, you, you can already tell that he doesn't understand. So for the people that also agree with him, obviously do not understand so therefore let's define it for everyone mm, you know mm-hmm. let's make sure we're all like my husband would say are we all on the same page mm-hmm. because then we can argue on the same level if we're not on the mm. same page, then we're arguing on the same level which means i don't get what you're saying you're not getting what i'm saying we would never get to each other because we are not uh, we are not at the same level we haven't defined it yet yeah you know what i'm saying so now that we've defined it we all and then we all agree Right? Mm-hmm. This is the meaning. The meaning is to plead, right? The meaning is to 
is to appease the other person and yeah, ask, the ask for permission. Don't agree that's what it is. Then yeah. we can now argue. Is it right? Is it wrong? Yeah. You know, is it, is it in our culture? It's not in our culture. Which is not, it's not in our culture to kneel down. However, there's so many things that are not in our culture that we do. That we took from the white man and we do every day. So, why is this different? You know, you can argue that mm. too. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah. It definitely makes me think about it in a different way. Um, so the second bonus triggered, I guess. Oh, there's feedback. Um, the second bonus triggered is a comment that was made by Pastor E.A. Adeboe, which is who is the general overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. And um, he was quoted as saying, one of my sons once told me that he was always excited to resume in the office every Monday because he he would get to see his secretary again. I told him to fire her immediately. Nothing and no one is worth your marriage. So honestly, Lara, please speak first because me, I don't even know again. Um, I actually did do a video on this on my Instagram. <laughs> did you? Okay. Um. Okay. First is first is the fact that he said son. So, which means that we can all agree that he's talking to a man mm-hmm. because you know people always make people always say that you know that Joe is not talking to Habibah. Yeah. Okay, fine. This one was clear and simple. Mm-hmm. He said son, which means it's a man, mm-hmm. right? And then he went on to say he told. So, which means he gave an advice to this person, counsel. Mm-hmm. Give a counsel to this person saying that fire your fire your secretary, you know, and you know, because you you seem to be having an attraction to that woman. Mm-hmm. Now in that because people are saying, Oh no, what if the woman was seducing him? He did not say in the tweet that the woman was seducing him. Mm-hmm. We are talking about what he said in that tweet, mm-hmm. which means there was no seduction in there. Come you on. know? Yes. Let's just talk about what he said. Because exactly. if, he, if the woman was seducing him, that would have been the first thing he said. Mm-hmm. But that's not what he said. He said that the man was getting attracted to his secretary. We don't know if the woman knew about the attraction. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are external factors. Let's talk about the tweet itself. Now, if you're telling somebody a grown human being, which means the person is in a state to make an independent decision for yes. themselves. Yes. If you're telling them that you have to let go of this thing, that thing is bad, right? Mm-hmm. And that would make you feel better. That, to me, is emotional inintelligence. You're telling the person that your emotions do not count. Logically, your physical, the physical is what counts, which mm-hmm. is wrong. That is not Christian like. Mm-hmm. That is not Christ like. Mm-hmm. First thing first, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because the Bible teaches you to trust in your emotion. The Holy Spirit drops things in your spirit. What is your spirit? Your spirit is the inner mind of a human being. Mm-hmm. We don't see that. So therefore. Your emotion is the only link to you and understanding the things of God, mm-hmm. whether you believe it or, or not. not. That's period. 
last one period okay <laughs> so therefore now you're telling this man don't trust you know quench your emotion mm -hmm. you know don't work in it yeah. don't talk about it yeah. just let go of this so what happens when he meets another woman exactly that was created in the image of god because the bible says that we are all created Please in one, tell in the them. image of god Come on. so now he meets another woman who was created in the image of god just as beautiful as god even probably and you know the way the devil works the devil will give you another person that was finer than the first person exactly right now, what does he do? He fires this person too? Of Apparently. course not. Because the Bible says that you have to work on your inner mind for it to manifest things in the physical. So therefore, you have to be able to, like, you have to get to the roots of the evil, mm. which is inside your mind. So if you're telling people that let go of the physical and not work on your emotional, you are, you are depriving them of experiencing god mm -hmm. the fullness of god yeah depriving them of, and and that's where i got angry and that's why i had to do the video because mm -hmm. i'm like that's wrong because for you for you to be able to not commit sin you have to be emotionally strong it's not about running away from the sin i think that's i, I think that's why i was just so confused because yeah, i was like, like you have to you have to get to a point in your life where you are able to control your emotions. How can't you control yourself because she's beautiful? You know Is she so the first beautiful woman in, in the planet? I'm confused. That, that means there's something already wrong with you exactly. So if and, and and that also gives you the idea that women are always the problem, which they are not. Which which we you know. So it is only everyone can argue it. But what I'm saying is, if you already have an idea that a woman is the problem, will be the root of all your problems, you best believe that a woman would be in fact the, the root, root of all your problems. All your problems. Exactly. Because, because because everything that happens to you starts from how you think. Mm -hmm. And whether people believe that or not, it is the truth. It is facts. Mm -hmm. You might not be consciously aware of it, but every single thing that happens to you starts from your mind, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you think, and you've, you've been, if you've been programmed, you've been taught that women are the root of your problems, everywhere you go, where you meet a woman, she will cause you problems. Exactly. Because you're not dealing with what the actual issue is. What the actual problem is. And, that, and that's what I said. I said, if a mind person is looking at somebody else, right, promiscuously, there's already a problem in the marriage. So therefore, like, there's an underlining problem. And mm -hmm. until you get to that, every other thing is a bandage on an on, open wound. Exactly. So that that's where I that that was where I was I was taken aback yeah. because now that woman has no job exactly right and you fired her on the basis of what on another person's saying she didn't do nothing she didn't do nothing and 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 because of that that and and that's another thing another thing is that the Jews audience we have to understand this right we are we are on Twitter mm -hmm. we have access to we are exposed. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and the, the kind of exposure that we have is different, and this is why I say I come from a place of understanding. Mm -hmm. Now, that the Jews' audience is the population of Nigeria that is living below the one dollar. Exactly, 
and that's and that's what my issue is and that's i think that's that's like where a lot of my issues sprouts from he's speaking to don't know better that don't have internet no there are the people that probably are going to bed hungry they are the people that don't have access to certain things that we can argue on the internet for they probably don't have Mm -hmm. so therefore if you're telling these people that this is the way to go you are you are depriving them of experiencing a truly happy life and an alternate world view and i think that's my thing with my thing with nigerians that would only like increase the circle exactly encouraging the circle of dysfunction there's just this single-mindedness to everything like there's an inability to see any other side except the one side which again is the thing with this the peter doce video as well like your inability to see that a woman could potentially be on an equal level as a man and in this case your inability to see that maybe the woman is not the problem maybe your son just has no self-control and maybe that should be the issue that we're talking about and that's that's the sign of of of, of emotional yep that that is the number one sign the fact that you're not able to see another person's point of Mm -hmm. view is that you are emotionally unintelligent yeah and that that, that, that's 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 it and that's it because because the the number one sign of emotional intelligence is the fact that you are strongly empathetic Mm -hmm. which means you can not only see your pain, you can see the pain of others. As well. You cannot only see your joy, you can see the joy of others. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if you cannot understand another person's point of view, then something is wrong with you emotionally. Exactly. Well, so that was the bonus segment of Triggered. Now, on to the main topic. So as I said, we are going to be discussing emotional intelligence. And um, if I'm being completely honest, I was very hesitant about this topic, and I knew I think I know deep down I know why, um, but I didn't want to admit it to myself. So, in preparation for the topic, seeing that I know absolutely or I knew absolutely nothing really about emotional inte- intelligence, I ran to one of my favorite places for introduction into a new topic, which is TED. So the TED talk I watched um, was titled Six Steps to Improve Your Emotional Intelligence and it was delivered by Ramona Haka as of then, as of 2018, a master's student in World Heritage Studies at the Technical University of Munich. Um, and a part of me just knew what I was quick to realize not even three minutes into the talk and that is that I am not, I don't believe I am in fact emotionally intelligent. And as someone who aspires to be intelligent, this was definitely a blue. Um, And it was interesting because one of the first sentences that Ramona spoke was a question. And it was by a show of hands who in the audience would consider themselves emotionally intelligent. And she followed it up by saying, have you ever consciously worked on your emotional skill? Now, no surprise, um, based on what I just shared, the answers for me to both of those questions was a no. So we're going to discuss a bit more about what we took away or what I took away from the TED Talk throughout the episode. Um, We aren't really going to talk about the steps because I think folks can watch the video and I'll post the video um, in the description box and on the Instagram for your reference. But I want to discuss, Lara, putting you on the spot here, um, how did you find yourself interested in emotional intelligence? Oh my 
my god i want the shots for i know you could talk about this for hours so i i want the shots the short cliff okay. notes version of this all right answer. so like i said <laughs> like i said beginning at the beginning that talking about it would help me tell you more about myself okay so i left nigeria when i was 16 years old right mm-hmm. and at that time as a 16 year old you can imagine i i knew nothing <laughs> literally i knew i knew not like at that time i really didn't even know that i had an accent i didn't even know that i pronounced certain things a certain way yeah do you get what i'm saying yeah and then i didn't leave nigeria and go to america i didn't leave nigeria and go to like england i left nigeria and went to india different story so, for another day but continue <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I left Nigeria to India as a 16-year-old. So, it was a major cultural shock. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I only knew the things that my parents taught me. I only knew the things that Nigeria taught me. Mm-hmm. I only knew the things that Nigerians taught me. The only culture I knew was the Nigerian culture. So, when I moved, there was a cultural shock. All that happened. Fine. I had to move again from India to England which I did, which hit me again with another cultural shock. And then, <laughs> from England, I had to move... Until this, your journey is a bit long. To Canada. Oh, so gosh. when I got to Canada was when I actually recognized that I was depressed. Mm-hmm. So then, I realized that I was depressed. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know it was depression. All I knew was I wasn't happy with where I was, mm-hmm. what I was doing, mm-hmm. how I was acting. Um, the people around me were not responding to me properly. Um, even though I was in a, in a committed relationship at the time, things were still not working out mm-hmm. like I would have wanted. Everything was just not working out. Mm-hmm. In my point of view, there was a, a huge dark cloud around me, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do. But then I got married. I moved again to America. <laughs> and see, so your to, journey is really long. <laughs> so then I moved to America, then I realized that it ain't gonna get better because mm. I thought that getting married would really mm. solve my problem. Mm-hmm. And then I got married, which was very good. Not no shame to my husband, but um, I was still depressed. <laughs> very much depressed. And yeah. Very much lonely. Very much still not happy. Yeah. Uh, with myself, not with my marriage, but with myself yeah. inside. So. I was like, okay, if you guys know the process of, you know, um, getting a green card, it is very long. So, I was like, what am I going to do while I wait for my papers to get, you know, approved and, you know, start working and stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to therapy. So, I did. And then I started going to therapy. And then I discovered I was depressed. And then I discovered what emotional intelligence is. And I said to myself, I, as a human being, in, on X... Before I get to heaven, I am going to attain one of the highest levels of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. because I don't want to be where I was again. Again, yeah. Okay, thank you for that. Actually, of course, I know you really could talk about it forever. So thank you for that cliff note version. Um, so for me, I think it's always important to put things into the African context or I guess Nigerian context to be specific because that's what I'm most familiar with. So in the TED talk, Ramona discusses the value of emotions 
and I thought to myself like what are the value of emotions in the African or in the Nigerian context so I guess my question for you is how do you think we deal with emotions like how are we taught to deal with our emotions okay so okay okay explain for us to understand what it is you have to define it okay right and long short version is emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize your emotion recognize right Mm -hmm. understand it so you name it you understand it Mm -hmm. and then you realize that you know and realize how your emotions can affect you okay so you realize you name it you understand it how does this affect me and then in, and then it also involves your perspective your perception of others when okay. you understand how they feel this allows you to manage relationship more effectively okay so emotional intelligence is being able to understand the things that you feel how they affect you and how they affect others and how others emotional um, emotions affect you now the problem is most people do not know what emotions are. Okay. Most people think that emotions are weaknesses. When yeah. you feel a certain way, then you need to hide. No. God put emotions into human beings so that you can understand who you are. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Emotional intelligence is knowing who who you truly are as a human being, regardless of ethnicity, gender, history, religion, and other social standards. Who are you? When somebody asks you, who is Omaina? Can you tell me without, without ethnicity, without gender, without history, without religion, without any social standard, who are you? Lara, why you just put me on the spot like that? I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to trigger the thought in you. In me, yeah, you have definitely yes. triggered this. Yes, it's triggered. <laughs> so who are you? Because I, when I went to therapy, that was the first thing they asked me, "Who are you?" And I was like, you know, I am Lara from mm, Nigeria, mm-hmm. married to this man, you know. And I, and the lady was like, "No, like who, who are, are you? you?" And I was like, "What else do you want from me, sis?" And I had no answer for my first two therapy sessions. I couldn't tell who I was. Right. Uh-huh. So without all this, which not not saying those things don't matter, but when you're standing in front of God, mm. those things truly don't matter. matter. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that is really what. That's how I came to it. And then in the African context, it is because we are taught to not, like I said, not um, tamper with our emotions. Yeah. Because we're taught that our emotions are weak. Mm-hmm. Our emotions are not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also leads to you being opinionated. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you're opinionated if you're opinionated, you're seen as um, aggressive. Yeah. If you're, and if you are too in tune with your emotion, you're seen as emotional. Mm-hmm. Which is what happened to me. I used to, I used to cry for hours. Just like I could cry for four hours, mm-hmm. and I couldn't still tell you what was wrong. With yeah, me. and 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 that that was just mind blowing to some people, mm-hmm. and that 
seem like I was weak. Yeah. My husband will always tell me, you'll be like, get it together, God damn it. And I'll be like, okay, like I don't know how to get yeah. it together because I was still mm-hmm. thinking, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you, um, in the African context, when you're able to get a grasp of your emotions, things become easier. And that's why I think that Africans are the way they are because nobody has a grasp of their emotions. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we're not able to process things properly. Because for you to be able to process things to a place of solution... You need to know what they are. You need to know what they are. Yeah, I definitely get that. Even, like, when you were saying, like, you would cry. Because I remember in boarding school, like... People, they used to make fun of me. Oh my gosh. Because mm-hmm. I was a crybaby, quote unquote. And honestly, since then, I can count how many times I've cried. Like, except like things related to like my dad's... Like, I can count on maybe on two hands how many times I've cried. Because for me, crying shows weakness. When actually, crying is literally just your body's response can to... I, can I give you a fun fact? Yes, fun fact. Okay. When you cry when you're in distress, when yes. you cry when you're in pain, when you cry when your heart broken, when you, there's an enzyme that is being released when you cry when you're in pain. Okay. And that enzyme helps you calm down and process things in your brain. Can you imagine? Now, because people don't cry, mm-hmm. things book a session now right away <laughs> like you yeah. need it immediately that fun fact. I nest- yeah. I definitely think it's important because I think another part um, that she talks about is that we need to 
incorporate teachings of emotional intelligence in schools to help children in their journey of finding themselves and connecting to themselves and their emotions and i think we talked a bit about this because you shared about how you know you didn't know who you were and you went to therapy and the lady was like who are you and you're telling her all these external things about you and i think for me especially because i'm now on this journey of like figuring out who i am but I'm still, I think I'm still at that phase where I'm figuring out who I am in terms of like the external things. And I don't think I've gotten to the point where, you know, I'm figuring out who I am in terms of like my insights. So I guess, um, what do you think about this idea of incorporating teaches, teachings of emotional intelligence in schools? Um, I, I do really think that it should be done and it should be done already yeah because emotional intelligence is really like they teach you how your leg works Mm -hmm. they teach you how your hand works Mm -hmm. they teach you what your tongue does yes do they really teach you what your brain does no they don't exactly because emotional intelligence has to do with your brain now I'll, i'll give you an example right when you eat something that you don't like your brain processes it so fast that you yourself, you're not even conscious of it. Mm. You automatically know that you don't like this. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to an event and you see that thing, you don't automatically remember that first day that you ate it and then you tasted it and then your brain just automatically tells you that you don't like that mm-hmm. thing, so therefore you don't eat it. Mm-hmm. It is stored. It is so fast that you're not conscious of it. It's the same thing about an emotion. When somebody breaks your heart because of a reason, your brain automatically processes that event as negative. Mm -hmm. So when that thing is about to happen to you, you automatically get paranoia. Mm -hmm. And then because of that, you become insecure. Mm -hmm. And then because of that, you're scared of things. So it's it's a process. Mm -hmm. Your brain is also an organ, which should be taught. Yeah. So it's not just the the, the muscle and, and... all those things are fine, but what happens in your brain when it comes to life mm-hmm. should also be taught. Yeah. No, I definitely. And, 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 and that's why that's why I say I don't know. I, and I guess that's why therapy is so expensive mm-hmm. because that's exactly what therapy does. They teach you how your brain works mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely I agree. I definitely think it's something that a lot of people are lacking, and I think. When you when you get in tune with your emotions in a way that we aren't necessarily taught, I think it definitely shapes the way you view, you know, life. And you get to reflect on parts of yourselves in ways that you may not have necessarily thought of before. Which I guess is kind of related to my next, like, thought. Because, so in the TED Talk, she Ramona poses a very interesting question. And I think it's, it's very important in the Nigerian context. Um... And the question was, what would it mean to have an emotionally intelligent parent? And I think parenting in the Nigerian household is definitely a whole different topic for another day. But I thought the question was very interesting. Um, And I don't know that much about emotional intelligence. So I'm going to, you know, give this question to you. What do you think it would mean to have an emotionally intelligent parent? Uh, My parents are wonderful. I don't don't, don't shame them for anything. (laughs) I think my parents are emotionally intelligent. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Like a few hours ago, I was having a conversation with my mom. And my husband was like, You're being too mean. I'm like, No, I'm not being too mean. I'm coming from a place of understanding. Oh, and she's, she's not. coming from a place of argument. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to educate her on certain things. And 
And in that moment, I figured out that no, she would not get it. Why? She's she's there not. She's not there. She's not there. She's just not there. there. Yeah. That's another thing. My husband always tells me you have to. People have to come to that point where they want to. Yeah. You can't get them there. There. Mm -hmm. So, and that's another thing about the um, the Nigerian household having an emotion an emotionally intelligent parent. And there's some people that are emotional that had an emotionally intelligent parent that didn't know they did. Because mm. they don't know what it is. One, yeah, because they don't know what it is. I was talking to one of my friends and she was talking to me how she talks to her mom about everything. She and her mom have, you know, healthy conversations. Yeah. They have healthy resolutions. They have conflict and they can resolve it and they can move past it. And I was like, damn, your mom is emotionally intelligent yeah and she was like what is that i was like damn bye like <laughs> like i can't go into it you know what i'm saying yeah because people some people don't, don't some people, I mean, they don't know what it is mm-hmm. uh my parents were not emotionally intelligent uh, which means that we, we rarely had any say to do it yeah <laughs> you were told what to do exactly um even when you had conflict they were you were they were resolved in what they thought was the best way to mm-hmm. resolve it. It wasn't mutual. Uh, it was yes, a very one sided resolution. It was very one-sided. Yeah. So even when you have um, my husband told me of um a part um a time when he had an argument with his elder sister and his dad just told him, you know, say sorry because she's your elder sister. He didn't ask him what happened. He didn't ask him, Do you think you were wrong? Mm-hmm. Do you think you were right? Mm-hmm. Where did you go wrong? Like what you is know, the basis? What can we yeah better? Yes. What's the reason why you did that? What do you think is the reason why you did that? Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. None of that was done. It was just you were wrong. Apologize to her. She's mm-hmm. your older sister. Mm-hmm. You should not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, no. That doesn't work. <laughs> because when when you when you grow up, you automatically think that an elder person is right. That's in the case of Peter Duce. Exactly. Which, not necessarily. Older people are also stupid people. Older <laughs> people could also be foolish people. Older yeah. People, not all old people have wisdom. It has to be contextual. Yeah. So then, that that's also a thing because in the Nigerian household, that is not upheld. In the Nigerian household, love is not physical. Mm. Love is not shown. Mm-hmm. And that helps you build the positive side of your emotion. Mm-hmm. Be- seeing things that are positive mm-hmm. helps you build that. Mm-hmm. Seeing love being shown helps you know what love No, is. but they tell you that, you know I love you. I don't have to tell you. But that's the thing. Knowing and seeing... Two different things. That, that's another thing. It's like, in your brain, logic and emotion has to click for it to affect mm-hmm. you physically. Mm-hmm. That's why I tell people, I see people every day. I post those things too, those inspirational quotes and stuff, self-affirmation and stuff. I post them. But when when I tell people, I say, if you keep saying all these things every day, you can say it from today to tomorrow. It would not happen to you until your brain gets to a point of understanding, mm. of logic. Mm-hmm. Your red brain and your green brain have to agree before it can actually work. Mm-hmm. And for those who aren't familiar with the red brain and the green brain, can you just give them a quick... Oh, okay. The red brain is the brain that has mostly negative, mostly emotional, mostly paranoia. Uh, the red brain is the brain that 
questions things. Okay. The red brain is the brain that is doubt. Okay. Mostly emotional. Okay. Is your red brain. Okay. And and if you are someone who suppresses your red brain, like suppresses your emotion, your red brain is probably more active than your green brain. Mm-hmm. Green brain is logic. One plus one is equal to two. Two plus two is equal to four. Facts. Green brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, positive sub green brain. Um, I close the door. No one is going to come through it. I'm safe. Green brain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I ask God for food and I have food on my table. Green, green brain. brain. Okay. Red brain is I ask God for food. I have five dollars, but it ain't no food. So therefore, I'm still hungry. Mm. So now what do I do? I'm just going to sit down and cry. Mm-hmm. That is your red brain. Okay. Um, so when your red brain and your green brain interact, it becomes an, a balanced thing. So mm-hmm. that's, what emo- that's where emotional intelligence It's the balance, is. like most things. Yeah. 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 And what happens is, so when you are, when, when you're in a state of balance, right, it is, it means that you're constantly grateful for the things that you have. But you're also working towards getting the things that you want. It's not too much of one or the other. Uh-huh. It's a recognition that you need both. Yeah. Another thing is, and, and, and this is in a, in a more realistic term, where your green brain and your red brain meets is where somebody died. You acknowledge that the person died. It's sad. It is hurtful. But you acknowledge that death is an inevitable mm. thing. You acknowledge that even though the person didn't live up to the standard of a full life, but the person lived a good life while the person was here. You know, that those things are where your red brain and your green brain meets. Mm-hmm. So therefore you're you're less likely to be far red than oh, far green. green. Um, my husband would say the li- life begins and ends with numbers. And I tell him, your green brain is too active. Mm. Because life doesn't begin and end in numbers. They are parts of it, but they are not all of it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. You have to be able to balance it. You can't measure love. Mm-hmm. You can't measure the love of a mother to a daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that those things, don't. you can't quantify those things. Mm-hmm. And that's where quality mind and quantity mind comes into play. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, your green brain, and that, that's really what green brain and red brain is. Okay, thank you for that. I also was not very familiar with that. So, um, I guess like one of my last, I guess, thoughts um, was so, folks, beautiful people. Lara had sent me this amazing document on the information, some of the information she's collected on EI, um, and on it there was something which I didn't necessarily expect, and it was the emotional life of Jesus, which was followed by a boatload of Bible verses. Um, so, Lara, can you please explain this to the good people? Um. Okay. Um, before I actually do that, I would want to um, read something. Okay. Okay. God created us in his own image, which means God has feelings. God is love. What is love? Love is an emotion. Forgiveness is an emotion. And emotions exist, and they are both good, and they are both bad. The word emotion itself has motion in it for a reason. Because you, because how you feel 
in turn affects how you act physically. So for you to manifest happiness, peace, long life, and all life's goodness, emotionally, you have to feel it. Also, what you do with motion, physically and consciously, also affects your emotion, which means that whatever you do physically, an action that you do physically would also affect how you feel emotionally. Relationships, conversation, thoughts, and other emotions affect your emotion. You know, people say you can train your mind to get over negative emotions that you feel. Yes, but training your mind is digging and finding the root cause of a negative emotion. Mm -hmm. Emotions do not evaporate. Like in the case of Jesus at Mount Gethsemane, it takes a lot of work to become in tune with who you are emotionally. Um, so, with that being said, I'm going to talk about Jesus at Mount Gethsemane. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for that, actually. It got me thinking. Um, so, thank you. And that is Acts 26 or 24. I can't remember right now. <laughs> um, but I think it's Acts 24. Okay. And I'll give you a background story. Jesus was about to die, right? He had his disciples with him. He knew that this night was the night that they are coming to take him away. He knew that. Now, he went to Mount Gethsemane to pray with his disciples. Now, when he got there, he was very nervous. If you read that Bible verse properly, read it in every version possible. Good news, NIV, KJV, all of them. Whatever you want it. It will tell you Jesus was absolutely feeling his pants, right? On Mount Gethsemane, and he was praying. So he went to pray, and he told his disciples, let's go pray. But they've been working all day, so they were dead tired, so they slept. But Jesus was so nervous that he couldn't sleep. So he went and he was praying. And then he came back and he saw them, he was praying. Then he got angry. What is anger? Anger yeah, is an sure. emotion. Okay. He goes and he says, can't you guys get up? Can't you guys pray for one hour? It's about to happen. Come on, pray. So they, you know, they stood up, they prayed, and then they slept again. And then he left back to the top of the mountain and kept on praying. And then he came back again and saw them sleeping. <laughs> and then he left them and then went back. and was like, you know, y'all ain't going to pray for me. I'm going to pray for myself. Mm-hmm. So he went back to the top of the mountain and he kept praying. When you're pacing back and forth about something, what does that mean? It means you have anxiety. Yes. It means something isn't sitting well with you, right? That's an emotion. And Jesus went back to the mountain and prayed, right? Mm -hmm. So, and he prayed until he saw the chariots coming with the light and with Judas Iscariot coming to point to him and say, you know, this is Jesus, mm -hmm. this is the man that you're going to mm -hmm. take, right? Now, that was one of the verses in the Bible that clearly states that Jesus had a human experience when he was an ex. Yeah. Because really and truly, before that time, Jesus was a spiritual being, right? Mm -hmm. In the face of the ex. He had, you know, the Father was in him, he pronounced things, he made miracles happen, he controlled angels, he walked on water. Everything was a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Until Mount Gethsemane, Jesus didn't have a human experience. Mm -hmm. That point in time, Jesus 
felt everything a human being could feel. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, every spiritual being that he had had left him. Mm-hmm. And then when he got, when he prayed, right? This is the most important part. When he prayed to God, he he told God, you know, I don't feel good, you know. You know, I don't I don't think I'm not I'm not feeling well. I don't like how I feel. And then he said, you know, if this is your will, let it be done. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't say, Father, take this away from me. me. No. He said, I feel bad. I don't know why I feel this way. This is not right, but let your will be done. And that is a prayer of revelation. That's a prayer of understanding, which means he knew that that is what it felt to be human. That is what it feels to be human. To be human means to have emotion. To be human means that you can't be angry. You can love. You were created in God's image, which means God is also angry sometimes. Mm-hmm. God is also upset sometimes. Mm-hmm. God grieves people sometimes. Mm-hmm. God God, God understands every emotion, both good and bad, that happens to human being was created by God. Yeah. Does the devil use it against you sometimes? Yes, yes. Of course. Because everything God does, the devil imitates. Right? Mm-hmm. But you're created in God's image. And therefore, you are supposed to feel things. You're supposed to have emotions. Mm-hmm. Emotions are totally normal. Mm-hmm. Right, so that those Bible verses were were one of the five, were one of the few Bible verses. I know there were like a hundred. There were a few of them, yes, definitely. <laughs> they were um, the Bible verses that show that Jesus truly had a human experience, even though um, it felt supernatural. Mm-hmm. So, which means that it is normal for you to have emotions, to have emotions, how you deal with them. What you do with them is what happens. Mm -hmm. And it comes with naming it. The first step of resolving your emotion is being able to name it. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know that. Anger is an emotion. Emotions are not a sentence. Mm -hmm. They are a word. Mm -hmm. That is one thing. People, you say, I ask people, how do you feel? They're like, "Mm, I don't know. No, that's not an emotion. I'm sorry. Um, that's not an emotion. <laughs> um, sometimes I ask my husband, "How was your day?" Um, it was. The, I'm like, "Nope." That like, how how did you feel today? Do you get what I'm saying? Were you angry? Sarah, why you like upset? to trigger? You are just triggering <laughs> people all the way, man. Have a good day. You are just triggering Sorry, people all hungry. the way. Those are emotions. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So word. And yeah. then you can walk with them. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like if Microsoft did not have a name, if Microsoft Word did not have, how are you going to know that you want to type something yeah. Word? How? You have to know the name. You have to know it. You have to define it. You have to know the rule of it. And then you can handle it. Then you become an expert. Mm-hmm. That's why when somebody says something to you, it doesn't trigger you. Because you already know what it is. Yeah. I don't feel that way. That's not how anger. That's why when some people speak to me and they say, oh, you're so aggressive. No. That's not aggression to me. That's passion. To mm. me. I don't feel aggressive. I feel passionate. Mm-hmm. When I'm speaking to you, this is passion. Mm-hmm. When I become aggressive, I will let you know that that's aggression. Come on. Tell them. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. For you to be able to be emotionally intelligent, you have to identify anger, love, 
happiness, peace. I feel at peace. Am I, you know, those things are emotion. Mm-hmm. And that's why when Jesus was here, he would say, um, he would say things like strive or things like um, strive meant anger, mm-hmm. right? But that was an emotion that mm-hmm. he felt, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. He would tell the dis- disciples, you know, rest. Rest means, you know, calm down, mm-hmm. take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Because he truly knew that to be human means to have emotion. Yeah. You're not an angel. You're yeah. not an angel. Yeah. And that's the reason why you are above angels. Jesus, God created human beings above angels. What differentiates you from an angel is your mind and your emotion. Mm-hmm. Because angels, they have to be summoned for them to do something. Mm-hmm. You, 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 as a human being, you have to summon an angel to do something. Mm-hmm. God has to summon an angel to do something for him. Mm-hmm. But because you're a human being, God doesn't summon you. Yeah. You have a mind of your own. Mm-hmm. And for you to be able to live a full, a full human experience means that you have to control your emotions, learn to control your emotions. And I guess that really leads, because we're, we're kind of at the end and wrapping up. So I guess that really leads to like my last question, um, because what I really liked about the video was that, or the TED talk was that Ramona discusses EI, so emotional intelligence, as a skill that we have to learn and to continue to work on. So as someone who's done her own personal research on the topic, and you've alluded to some of the tactics, you said, you know, name the emotion. Um, what are some other tactics that you have, you know, incorporated into your own life that help you to improve your emotional intelligence? Um, is analyzing a situation. So knowing the root of things. So, okay. so for instance, if like when I just got married, my husband would go out because I moved here, which mm-hmm. means I don't have friends here. Yeah. But he didn't move. He has friends here. Uh-huh. Right. So he would go out with his friends and I would feel left out. I would feel some type of way. Right. Now, being emotionally intelligent means that you look at the situation and you analyze it, how that event is how does that event affect the emotion that you feel mm-hmm. so for instance people would be people would say um i don't like men that do this okay why don't you like men that do that <laughs> <laughs> you know people say oh i what don't is like the men root? That. yeah like what's the real reason why you don't like men yeah. that do that i don't know i just don't like it no, no. there's something the yeah and that might be that might be because you saw your dad do that and that was wrong. Mm-hmm. That might be because somebody did that to you and you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there is a reason why you feel the way you feel. Yeah, you, you, it can't be I don't know. Mm-hmm. There, there's all there's always a reason. So I always try to link that the thing that I you know, the, the situation that's happening to the emotion to the core emotion. Okay, you know. So when you identify it. Right? Um, I feel anger. Okay, why do you feel anger? Because my husband went out and I'm at home. Okay? What is the reason? So, the reason now is because I'm at home and he's out. Mm -hmm. So, now that you're angry, that your husband. So, what is bringing up the anger? Why are you like, Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. what's triggering? Trigger. Yeah, the trigger. What's what's triggering it? It's because. I am by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be by myself. I want to hang out too. Mm-hmm. I want to have friends too. Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. So the, 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 then you find out the reason, the problem. The problem is because I am lonely. I am by myself. Yeah. I don't have friends here. Yeah. That's the reason. It's not because he went out. It's because you are not getting that experience that mm-hmm. he's experiencing. Yeah. So then I figured out, okay, so that's it. Now, now I have to make friends so that I don't feel angry every so time. So then there's an out. action. Yeah. You see? Mm-hmm. So your emotion is now leading to an action, right? Mm-hmm. And then, or when he comes back, we have a conversation. I tell him, you know, I'm angry that you went out. Why are you angry? Because I feel left yeah. out. Okay, so what do you want me? You want me to bring you with you next time? You want me to bring bring you with me next time, you know, and then you have a conversation about yeah, it. And it so leads next to time something. when he goes out, right, mm-hmm. even though maybe you're not going out, but he knows that me going out kind of triggers my wife, he will call me and be like, babe, I really have to go out today. I hope you don't feel angry. Mm-hmm. Now you will not feel that. You won't. Because that emotion has kind of been eliminated because mm-hmm. now he's telling you. Yeah, you've worked through the process. Process, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You've honestly thank you so much, Lara, because you've given me a lot to think about. Because honestly, and, and, I, and I wanted to say one yeah. thing too about um childhood events. Okay. Um, who you are right now, how you feel, what you feel, are mostly developed from when you were a child. Hmm. Tell them, please. So there's certain things that I know people people say, oh no, I don't have any childhood trauma. Okay, everyone does. <laughs> everyone truly does. Yes, have a childhood trauma because your parents are not perfect. They did something. Your, your parents could have done everything possible to make you the best child, and you would still not be the best. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I advise everyone to look back on their childhood, their parents' relationship with them, and walk through those emotions, mm, those events, mm-hmm. those things. Yeah, I know so many people that, that can say specific events that happened to them that they were a child that really and truly shaped their life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and for me, because I've walked through my emotion, I can tell you I, I've been sexually abused three different times. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and because I never told anyone, I never talked about it, those three major events changed my life mm-hmm. on how I view people, mm-hmm. on how I view pastors, mm-hmm. or because one of the people who abused me, two of the people who abused me were pastors. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and because of that, I, I acted a certain way about churches, about and you don't know that until you walk through yeah. those things. You don't know that until you find your, you know, yourself and question yourself and dig deep and shovel like your brain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my advice. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm really grateful that you took the time out to speak with me and these beautiful people today. Um, so do you have any last thoughts before I do? I tell the beautiful people their questions for this week and I sign out. Um, I don't have, what I was just going to say, living life to the fullest is knowing yourself to the fullest, knowing every thought, every under, and understanding why you are who you are. If you really, truly want to have, um, an experience, Shekinah glory, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the highest level of God's love. Mm -hmm. 
really need to be emotionally intelligent for you to be able to do that, especially yeah. in Christianity. Because yeah. if not, pastors will be telling you stuff and you'll be and accepting it. Mm. Yep. One plus one is not eleven, people. One plus one mm-hmm. is not eleven. Nope. No matter how much you explain it. Even if even in the spirit world. Nope. Nope. Yeah, it don't work that way. Um so yeah, that's this week's episode, y'all. So a few a couple questions for you to reflect on and they were questions I actually posed to Lara. Um one, what is emotional intelligence to you? And two, what are some ways you can improve your emotional intelligence and hone in on that skill? So don't forget to follow, like, comment, subscribe, all the other good stuff. Also, please follow Lara on Instagram. Lara, do you want to tell the beautiful people your Instagram? <laughs> uh, my name is Lara underscore Ayodele. That's A-Y-O-D-E-L-E. All right. And also subscribe to her YouTube channel. I will put the information in the description box so you can do all these things. Send me a DM, send me a tweet, anything. I would love to hear from you. Um, And these next two weeks, don't forget to be unapologetically intentional. Thank you very much.